Welcome back to Lobbyland. Thanks for tuning in as always. Got a great chat for you today. Ben Stratman is joining me on the pod. Ben uh, was a bagman for Lieutenant Governor Dewhurst. And if you don't know what a bagman is, then you're definitely going to want to listen because we get into uh, those responsibilities. Uh, but Ben spent some time with Lieutenant Governor Dewhurst, uh, worked for Senator Birdwell for a number of sessions, and is now over at Longbow Partners. Ben's a great guy. You're going to enjoy this. We get into um, quite a few different topics. So here we go, Ben Stratman. Mr. Stratman, how are you today? I'm quite well. I'm quite well. I'm flattered to be on and grateful to the seven or eight or ten people that you probably had to ask and told you no before you got to me. So it's a big day. It's a funny story. Um, before the end of the year, I asked Instagram some suggestions. I said, hey, you know, who would you all suggest? <laughs> and someone suggested uh, the guy from Thank You for Smoking. I'm That's using right. air quotes. And so I, I don't know Aaron Eckhart, number one. But then, two, I thought, well, who is the character Nick Naylor in the Capitol? And I came up with quite the list. <laughs> and so then I thought, well, since I don't want to ask any of those people, I thought, well, I'll just ask the smart ass who suggested that. And that was you. It's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> Glad to be on. Glad to be on. So, so you're one of the few who were born and raised here uh, in Austin, working in the Capitol. Tell me about uh, your childhood growing up in the capital city. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a, a small uh, pot to be plucked from. There's there's not too many of us. Um, I, I run around sometimes, and people are like, "Oh yeah, gosh, it feels like I've been here forever." And they'll say they moved here in you know 2015, um, <laughs> which is great. So that's me minus 31. Uh, right. So uh, yeah, I, I've been here. Uh, I've been here my whole life. Was was born and raised, and and uh, lived in Georgetown for a few years. Actually, uh, graduated high school uh, Georgetown High School, but. I've lived here for the overwhelming majority of my life and um, got uh, got got kind of a weird uh, mixed background I guess my on my dad's side I'm as far back as they go my uh, my dad's side of the family they they got to Lavaca County in 1870 something so we've we've been around for a long while I think I'm fourth generation or uh, fifth uh, depending upon how you count it but then on my mom's side I guess I'm relatively new she was uh, she was born in Greece and came to the United States when she was six so uh, fourth generation or so on my dad's side and, and first generation American on my mom's side, but have been here. They, they moved here from Corpus Christi when my mom was pregnant with me uh, and, and uh, have enjoyed and, and really loved growing up in Austin. It's, it's been an interesting uh, change of scenery, a little different than it used to be. Um, but, but, you know, growing pains aside, it's, it's still a great place to live and, and work and all those things. But yeah, I, I went to Texas State University, um, graduated from there in, in 08. Uh, I, easily the worst alumnus of all time, uh, Tom <laughs> Holloway or the other of uh, the Texas State crowd will tell you, I was I was working all through school and, and was a commuter kid. So I actually never lived on campus or did anything fun like that. So uh, a, a bad alumnus, but proud graduate. Um, and then I guess around the time that I uh, was getting uh, into my sophomore year, a great friend of mine, uh, a family friend, and just truly one of the best people I've, I've ever known, Scott Haywood. Uh, if, if you know him, uh, knowing him is to love him, as they say. Um, and he was working at, he just finished actually his Rick Perry's travel aid at the time. And I uh, was moving over to the press office and probably by some uh, desperate request of my family or my sister, uh, who is Scott's age, uh, he 
he reached out to offer me some help and said, you ought to come try, try an internship over here. So did that. And I kind of was hooked after that. That was, uh, that was 2005. And then I worked for, uh, ad commissioner staples and, uh, uh Senator Hutchinson, uh, in the, the two respective summers after that, um, graduated and, and dove straight into the, the real world of the Capitol, the full-time paid job, uh, making all of $23,000 per year. Right. That, I'm sure there's, I'm sure that's in the record somewhere. Maybe it was 24, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> I was, I was on cloud nine. Highly lucrative careers working in oh, the Capitol. Man, you wouldn't believe the car I drove. Um, <laughs> so this is why we this is why we do this podcast because a couple of things. I didn't know uh, your family had been here that long. Fourth generation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, any of those folks in politics or work around or elected officials at some point? No, none of that. You know, we we actually my dad and I have been doing a little bit of this uh, this journey of ancestry dot com and all that kind of stuff and and poking around on it. Uh, we actually were trying to make plan a trip back to Germany to to go check the roots out a little bit, but COVID has made that a little difficult. Yeah. Uh, but no, no, uh, nobody on the on the political side, no famous elected officials. But I don't think we've got any, uh, you know, uh, murderers or or felons in there either. So that's good. Yeah, probably just a pretty boring group. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and then the second thing I didn't know, I didn't know you and Scott had a connection. I know Scott um, as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so being from here, like Scott is, uh, my sister and he were all, uh, in, in the same uh, age group growing up and we're good friends. And, uh, he was really close friends with, uh, my sister's now longtime husband, uh, Matt Elkier. Um, and, and they all just kind of grew up together. And so Scott was, uh, one of the big brother crowd, if you will, she's, he and my sister are six years older than I am. So, uh, was always kind of chasing them around and trying to, trying to be cool like them. So always had good people around me like that. Had no idea about that connection. That's very cool. Yeah. It's a small town. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, okay. So you mentioned Texas state. I also know you're a golfer. Did you play golf in school? I didn't. I played competitively in high school and then I, I didn't during college. Uh, most of the, the golf I was doing in college was, you know, the, the beer drinking nine hole type. And, um, uh, it really enjoyed it more as a game at that point versus a sport. And I think that kind of entered me into the next chapter of it. And I've just loved it ever since. I, I don't know that I'm very good at it, but I don't know many people who have as much fun doing it as me. I'll say that. So now you're being modest. I know, I know you're at least a single digit handicapper. So I bet you took a lot of people's money in college. <laughs> I, I hover, I hover somewhere between the single and double digits. And I will tell you, uh, as a fact, it is, directly correlated to whether we are in an interim year or a legislative <laughs> session year. Um, I, I can show you some charts that look like a roller coaster. So I get it. I get it. Um, okay. So then no, when you're in college, you didn't really, you weren't elected student body officer or anything like that. How, what was it about politics uh, that drew you in? Ah, I mean, you're, you're right. I, I didn't do any of that stuff. And, and I really was never even growing up, you know, here in the capital city, I was never the person that had a fondness for, you know, going and looking at the building or trying to get in and watch the house or the Senate operate it. It was sort of a, a far and distant land, even though it was just a couple of miles down the road. Um, you know, I, I had those internships and, and all credit to Scott uh, for, for helping put me in that direction. And then I guess when I graduated or was getting close to graduating, uh, I had a really good friend, Elliot Weeks, uh, his dad, David Weeks. Uh, some, some of the folks who would listen to this podcast would know who he is. He sure. very, very famously did work for Rick Perry and John Cornyn and David Dewhurst and a bunch of people doing political TV ads and all that for years. Uh, he was actually on set doing an ad for uh, Lieutenant Governor David Dewhurst in 2008 
and he knew that their uh, the travel aide on the team, uh, Cody Casares at the time, uh, was getting close to, to wrapping up and moving on to his next chapter. And so again, kind of a lot like Scott, I guess, just someone uh, older and wiser than me, giving me a lot more kindness than I deserved, um, stuck their neck out and said, you ought to go apply for this. So <laughs> I applied for the job and, and crafted a resume that was, you know, in a size 14 double space font was about half a page, uh, <laughs> really a, a marvel to see. Uh, I took that over and, and handed it to Elaine, who was in the front office in the Lieutenant Governor's office. And I got set up for an interview and uh, if, if you know anything about David Dewhurst, who, who I would, uh, you know, never say anything but good things about because I love him. I do. Sure. Uh, you, you know, he and uh, the space time continuum had a had a struggle to see eye to eye. And um, I remember the first time I went in there to interview, uh, he was in the Ramsey room and it about an hour and a half went by. And they said, oh, gosh, you know, Ben, uh, Governor Dewhurst just can't come out today. We, we got to reschedule. It's no big deal. So we come back and we do the second one and he's on the Senate floor and, you know, another, uh, hour or so go by, it goes by and, Oh Ben, I'm just so sorry. We got to reschedule. So they sent me back for a third time, third time I'm sitting there and they, if you know, the Lieutenant governor's office, you know, that there's, there's no hiding, uh, from anybody who's in the lobby waiting because his office uh, has to cut through the lobby mm-hmm. from the elevator right there. Yep. And I'm sitting walking or sitting there and, and he and Rob Johnson, who was his chief of staff at the time walked by and, Rob kind of looked at me and gave me a thumbs up and I heard him as he was going in and the door closed behind him. He goes, Governor Dewhurst, uh, this guy's been here like three times. This might even be his fourth. We, we've got to try to squeeze him in. <laughs> so I, I sat for another hour or so and then they brought me in and it was about a five minute interview and uh, the rest was history. So there you go. ended up being two of the really truthfully the, the hardest working, but, but most um, uh, personally fulfilling and, and educational years of my life. I, I've told so many young guys and, and even some young uh, younger ladies that there's there's nothing quite like the opportunity to be a, whatever you want to call us a bag man a travel aide an executive aide uh, there there is there is no better way to get your foot in the door and learn a whole lot. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was going to say bag man, and so just talk a little bit more about that concept and and you know give people an idea of what you do when you're with someone an elected official statewide elected official for you know, hours on end at a time. What does that job entail? Sure. Well, so there were some pros and some cons to it. I think there's a lot of things that people think that are probably misconceptions. So on on the pro side, I think a lot of people probably think it's, you know, picking up his dry cleaning, um, you know, that kind of stuff. And and he had a personal assistant. Um, He was a successful independent businessman. And and long before he was in politics, uh, he had some personal help. So I got a lot of that immediately taken off my plate, which was really great. So I think that was one of the pros that maybe you you think is part of the job, but I, I got to avoid. One of the cons, though, is I think, and and you know, not saying it's right, wrong, or indifferent, but if you look up right now, our, our current lieutenant governor, and I'm sure everybody in perpetuity after him, he's got a, a a full security detail around him. He's got a advance team and and security and all that, and you know, obviously, I, I think that makes sense. We didn't have any of that. This was before the Capitol had metal detectors. This was uh, before any of that stuff. And so the, the security detail, the advanced team, uh, the travel aid, the on-the-road scheduler, and the uh, oft-speech uh, 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 editor on the fly was me. You. Uh, it was me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if, if anyone's looking for some uh, ad hoc security detail, I would go with uh, someone else. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not you're, your guy. You're no muscle. 
No, no, exactly. They didn't even give me a gun. That's the worst part. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Uh, well, did you ever did you ever find an have an instance to like jump in because someone was like being you know inappropriate, but like you know aggressive. You know, there, there were a few of those times. He is a, a Governor Dewhurst, I was going to say was, he's obviously still alive. He, uh, he, he is a, a very tall, very charismatic, very handsome guy. He stands out in a crowd. And obviously there are, were typically lots of people surrounding him. So you'd get from time to time somebody who, you know, really wanted to talk about the reason that Texas should be its own independent nation or, you know, fun stuff like that. And, and, uh, you, you'd have to say, oh, Governor, we've, we've got, you know, President Bush is on the line. We've, we've really got to step <laughs> off. I need you to take this call. We right. had a few of those, but it was, it was never too bad. We had a little bit of a brotherhood of people who did it too, though. So two mm-hmm. of my dear friends, uh, Governor, or excuse me, uh, Attorney General Abbott's travel aide at the time was a guy named Parker Duffy. Uh, and then Governor Perry's travel aide was a, a guy named Clint Harp, who I was the best man in his wedding. And I, I was at his house yesterday with his wife and son. I mean, he's he's, I take a bullet for the guy. He's my closest friend. And we, we actually lived on rainy street long before there were bars and it was just a dark, (laughs) a dark street. We lived at the end of rainy street. And I can tell you some stories from those two and a half years, because we weren't supposed to talk about what happened on the job, right? It's it's sort of the, the dead man's code of silence in doing that job. And there was really nobody that we could talk to at the time. And so on the nights that it lined up or we would end up Man, we would pour really cheap whiskey and sit on the patio and just vent and tell some stories that we should probably both take to our graves. Uh, but we we knew we had the cone of silence between us uh, to trade, so it was it was a lot of fun. Well, you do that in this job. I mean, you see things, and you know, not that it's bad, but you just there's things you just don't repeat. And I think a lot of people um, that don't work in this space don't understand that concept. You know, they expect you to kind of write some sort of salacious book at some point, you know, exposing all of these stories. And I think, you know, part of this podcast is a little bit of that, you know, coming on and telling things that are appropriate, like, like we do. Um, but yeah, it's not, uh, some of the things you just can't, can't repeat. No, that's exactly right. And I mean, I, I, I've could, I could probably write a book or a book and a half on, on good do her stories, but you know, jokes aside, cause he, he had his quirks and everybody knows that he'd be the first to admit it. He, he was a unique character but but jokes aside, I mean, he was also someone who treated me uh, as good as anybody's ever treated me in my entire life. Um, and I, you know, I'll never share with anybody some of the things that he offered to do for me and some of the the, the things that he did for me without my asking. Um, but he was he was extremely good to me, and so I think it's a u- unique opportunity to see some of those folks really uh, uh, pull the curtain back a little bit, and you you definitely get to see some of the quirks up close and personal. Absolutely. Uh, and you learn to live with them, but you also really get to see, um, you know, in some of those more intimate moments, the the character that sticks out. And so he's he's always someone I'll be fond of. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of great people have worked uh, in the building as members have, who have, you know, not worked, but been elected um, and, and continue to be. OK, we skipped over a little bit of your college because I know you spent some time working for uh, Governor Perry and Senator Hutchison, Commissioner Staples when um, Commissioner Staples was at the Ag Department. So was that was really the, the foray into the, the pre-paid, being paid to work, right? You worked in those offices? Absolutely. Did, did internships uh, for three summers in a row for those folks and, and really kind of got to do a little bit, a little taste of everything, you know, the executive side with, with Governor Perry's office, uh, agency side being at the Department of Agriculture, uh, and then, of course, the, the federal side got a little taste of that. And it took about, uh, I guess it was a, a three-month internship. And so I, it took about three months to decide I, 
didn't want to work in the federal government. Um, <laughs> but great, great folks over there, Lindsey Parm and Johnny too, and, and, and uh, folks I'm still very fond of. So uh, enjoyed it all. And, and it, it kind of, it, it gave me a good taste of things, Daniel, but it, it um, I knew uh, ultimately I wanted to end up uh, back in the building. Um, you know, that's kind of where I started with, with Governor Perry. And, um, and, and in fact, to, to put a finer point on it, I was, most of my time was not actually spent in the building as, as those who know the governor's office know there's, there's not that many staff offices inside the Capitol proper. Um, and so I was across the, the way, um, and I got to do, uh, occasional trips over to the Capitol and I, I just was really jazzed every time I got to do it. And so it, the, the bug was definitely, uh, was definitely there. Did you work for the Senator when she was running against the governor? No, that was right before. So she, okay. I guess that, cause it was at the, was at the 06 race. Ooh. Was that 06 or 08? I don't remember. I think it might've been 08, but I could yeah. be completely wrong. Well, I'll tell you this. If it was 08, then I was working for her in 07. And if it was the 06 race then I was working for her in 05, I can't okay. remember. Cause it was, it was it, yeah. Although at the, at the same time I was, I was literally so, so low on the totem pole that she could have been running for president of the United States and they probably wouldn't have gotten the memo over to my, I was going to say desk, but I didn't have a desk. I had an area. Right. <laughs> I had a space. So, but you, you said you, you stayed there long enough where you didn't, you know, Hey, I don't want to go to DC and, and do that. Yeah. You know, and, and I almost, uh, it's funny, I wasn't going to bring it up, but you, you, you mentioned it. I almost went to DC. Um, I was offered a job to go be a, a, again, a, a bag man. Uh, for a member of leadership, actually, at the time um, in D.C. and was actually really jazzed about it. I got really close to doing it. And then, uh, like I said, David Weeks said, hang on, before you pull the trigger, I want you to go interview with Governor Dewhurst. And um, in that, I made it sound very dramatic. It was really only about a week or 10 days time that those three interviews stretched over. But uh, I, I ended up deciding to stay in Texas. And I, you know, you can never know whether it was the right call or the wrong call. I sure feel like it was the right one. Um, and, and I'm glad to be here, but, um, I have always sort of been a gut person, um, do what feels like it's the right move and go with it. I'm sure I've, I've, I've made some mistakes on that in life, but in, in this case, I think it was the right call. Um, and have been in and around the, the Texas capital bubble ever since. Okay. So you were with Dewhurst, Lieutenant Governor Dewhurst. I'm sorry. Uh, and then at what point do you get the opportunity to go work for Senator Birdwell? So he had just been elected, uh, Senator Birdwell, that is, uh, had just been elected in a July 2010 special election. Uh, and so we had run into him several times on the campaign trail because Dewhurst had a, uh, he had a general election opponent, Linda Chavez Thompson. And, and I don't know that it was the most serious race ever, but he, he took it seriously uh, you know, I was young and naive at the time. Looking back, obviously, he was putting a statewide infrastructure in place to run for the Senate, the U.S. Senate, that is. Um, yeah. But but we were we were out and we did 73, 74 cities, something like that in a, in a multi-month stretch. And a couple different times we, we ran into Senator Burwell out, who was campaigning at the time and uh, really was inspired by his story. Um, I, I'm willing to bet that most people listening to this know his story and that he was the, you know, the closest living survivor to the attack on the Pentagon on 9-11. And really was just pretty inspired by it. Um, and I had a couple of different opportunities that had very fortunately come my way. Uh, but I, I ran over and talked to Casey Kelly, uh, uh, and he was chief of staff at the time and had run Brian's first Senator Birdwell's, uh, first campaign and said, I'd love to come work for you guys and uh, applied and the rest, uh, the rest went on from there. So I did that for, 
I guess I did that for about a year uh, as doing comms and policy for him. And then Casey moved on. He had, he had only planned to stay for a while and kind of open up the shop. Um, and so around the time that Casey left, I was asked to, to be Senator Burwell's campaign manager for the 2012 reelection race. And then uh, that summer, summer of 12, or maybe the spring of 12, I don't recall, uh, Casey departed and, and uh, the senator asked me to be his chief of staff and uh, did that for three sessions and a whole lot of special sessions uh, for the next six or seven years after that. Running someone's campaign, I think, uh, is you get to, you know, similar to your time with Dewhurst, you spend a lot of time with, you know, the candidate or the elected official. <laughs> you just learn a lot about them. It's kind of like grassroots, you know, at its finest. Uh, and I know still to this day, even though I, I never ran a winning campaign, unfortunately, <laughs> um, but you still use those skills that you developed when you're working on campaigns. You definitely do. And, and I'll say it's just an aside. I, I, I hate the term run a campaign. Uh, it's not inappropriately used because that was my title, campaign manager. But uh, I would have been uh, lost in the in the woods and blindfolded at that without uh, Kevin Brandon's help, who was just a, an outstanding guy and a, a longtime political consultant for Senator Birdwell. So, yeah, you, we, we learned uh, we learned a whole lot um, out there together on the road, learned a lot uh, about how he does things and how I do things. And I think we rubbed off on each other a little bit, um, him more by force, me by good luck. But um, <laughs> we, we, uh, we, we had a good time and, and we did a lot of things. And, and it's, it was really cool. He, um, you know, I, I won't go into a whole diatribe about how he won that seat in the first place, which, of course, I was never part of. That was the, the team before I got there. But um, I, I'll just, with, with no disparagement to, to anyone that came before him, I will simply say that 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 district was centered in one particular town and one particular county for a long, long time. And he ran on a platform of this district has 10 counties and I'm going to go to all 10 of them and I'm going to spend an equal amount of time and I'm going to make sure everybody feels equally represented. And for goodness sakes, uh, it's safe to say he, he probably did not do a good job representing some people who didn't agree with his politics, but he ran on a campaign uh, platform and he stuck to it. And uh, when people called, whether they for, were from, Cranfield's Gap, or uh, which nobody's ever heard of, probably, or no. whether they were from Waco, uh, you know, we we uh, did our best to, to try to give them the best uh, attention possible, and I think that was was one thing I really enjoyed about uh, about working with him. Yeah, running a campaign in a big district like that, you learn a lot of new places. I know you, sometimes with Senator Frazier, again, it was a big district. You go to play, and I'm like, I didn't even know this was a thing, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. There were a lot of towns I'd never heard of, and lot of a uh, lot of good folks um you know that that phrase salt of the earth gets thrown around a lot and it's it's probably a lit uh, a little bit um cliche almost trite but i mean there are just a lot of really really good very uh steady working normal kind people uh that that are outside of the austin bubble and i, I think that's it's kind of cool it centers you a little bit to get to to meet good people like that yeah i agree so he asked you to be chief of staff. You were with him for uh, three three sessions, you said. But again, you're managing a team of people who are, you know, getting him ready for hearings and, you know, floor discussions along the way, recommending votes. Talk a little bit about managing the team and, and working for him in the Capitol in that capacity. Sure. Well, I mean, it, it was it was a big team. Uh, you know, over the over the tenure that I was there, he he chaired three different committees and a couple of different um, um, uh, interim committees and or select committees, I should say. And so we we always had a lot of different folks uh, kind of coming in and out of committee offices, and we always had a big office 
uh, in the Capitol, as well as our, our two district offices that he maintained in, in Granbury and in Waco. Um, but we always had always had good stu- uh, good folks that worked with us there. We, we always use the word team. We, we try to avoid using the word staff. And I always told people, you know, the people that work with me, nobody worked for me. We all worked for Senator Birdwell. And frankly, we all worked for the, the people in the district. And he was um, to a fault. He was adamant about that messaging and, and that language. Um, and so I, I had really good people that worked alongside me um, to, to name the list or, or to, to name names and go down the list would be a, a fool's errand. But I would say if I had to pick one person, uh, Anna Barnett, she was Anna Paulson when we started working together. But uh, Anna Barnett, her married name, um, I mean, she was my partner in crime. We were uh, we were policy staffers, uh, just low level policy staffers for him in that first session. Uh, and, and we, uh, when Casey left, we came up together and she was the legislative director and, uh, anybody who knew anything about our office knew that we ran it as a team. Um, all the policy, uh, went through her and all the politics and logistics went through me. Uh, but we crossed everything over each other and just, just jived very well. Um, and, and I think everybody knew the, the chain of command style, the way that, that Senator Birdwell worked. And I think, you know, once you got over the sort of the initial uh, uh, cheese factor of it, you know, uh, and, and there, it's there, it's there. He knows it. I'd say it if he were sitting on this podcast with us. But once you get over the cheesiness factor of, you know, uh, uh, the chain of command and him calling everybody by their uh, corresponding military, you know, rank right. and where they are in the food chain, uh, you, you found out pretty quick that it, it worked really well. Um, I remember one time in particular, there was a uh, I made a, a significant mistake. I'm not embarrassed to talk about it, but it's just a long story. So the short version is I made a significant mistake and someone came in uh, and and wanted to basically chew me out about it. And he said, you can sit in here, but he said, you're not going to chew out Ben. Ben works for me. You have a problem. You can talk to me. And he took it uh, <laughs> head on for about 10 or 15 minutes. And then he gave me mine, uh, you know, behind closed doors. Uh, and I got an earful about it, but I, I that again, that chain of command structure is something that I, I, I really have kind of clung to uh, ever since leaving because I just have such a respect for the fact that um, he he paid me the top dollar. He he gave me all the latitude. He gave me uh, all the control that I wanted. And then when I screwed something up, he took the heat for it. Um, and I think I, I learned a whole lot about how you run a team and how you support a team and make them feel uh, loyal to you. And so I think that's that was the most important thing that probably I took away in those years that I was working for him. That's great because, you know, he could very respectful of him. Uh, but you know, he could have certainly handled that situation differently, um, in many different, many different ways. Um, and so that's, that's a great example, I think to his character as well. So at what point did you say, Hey, I need to figure out an exit situation or how did you, you know, figure out what that next step was? Yeah. You know, I, I had watched probably around 2016 or so, you know, I'm, I'm four or five years into being chief of staff for, for the Senator. And I, I had watched a couple of my, a couple of my contemporaries, people I really respected and liked, but, but who were a little bit older than me leave the building. I'll just say it as leave the building later than they had planned on. Um, and, and, and certainly had not overstayed their welcome, not in the slightest, but, but kind of missed that top of the bell curve. And I saw, when they chose to depart, that they were pretty frustrated and pretty burned out. And I, it sounds cliche, but I I really did have a moment in um, probably early 2018 where the light bulb kind of clicked. I was driving in one day and I was, you know, that most of the staff parks under the building. And so you look at the building as you go in the underground garage 
I looked up and really just kind of glanced at the building and it was nice. And I, I had this moment of remembering someone saying, if you ever look up at that building and you don't appreciate the fact that you get to work there, you need to get the hell out because there's a lot of people who would kill for that opportunity. Yeah. And, and, and that's not a narrative or, or I guess an anecdote to tell you that I didn't appreciate it, but rather I, I realized that I did appreciate it, but I was probably coming into the, the, you know, the 11th hour of my time working in the Senate and I was really, really happy, which sounds like a strange time to leave. But like I said a moment ago, I, I had seen some of my my friends leave and not be so happy about the timing. And so I just kind of said, everything's working really well. There's an incredible uh, rest of the team around me who, if I stepped on a landmine tomorrow, could you know get the show running and, and probably do it, frankly, better than I did it, Daniel. Uh, and, I, and they did after I left. But uh, and I was really happy uh, being in there and, and in my job. And I said, maybe this is uh, the perfect time to start looking uh, and, and leave on a high note. So I, I started talking to really quietly just a couple of people. Um, and, and I'll tell you, even within that, that's, again, that, that Birdwell military thing. It, it sounds really uh, morose and serious. But in, in the military world, uh, you, you, have to, you have to be ready to say goodbye to people really quickly. And I remember... Senator telling me that because it's either one, it's, it's tragic because they're someone's killed or they get transferred. And, and when you get transferred, they, they don't move you to a different part of the base. You know, they don't move you to the platoon next door. Uh, you're typically moved somewhere completely different on the planet yeah. or at least within country. Yeah. And so it's entirely likely you won't see people again. And I only say all that to say that I knew when the time to leave was going to come that I needed to make it quick and, and smooth and that I didn't want to draw it out and make him think about me departing. And so I, I looked very quietly, talked to a couple of close friends uh, and, and got the ball rolling and, and ended up where I am today. So I think, I think that's part of being a leader, right? I mean, again, you weren't unhappy. It wasn't like you didn't like no. working for him, quite the contrary. But part of that leader position is, is okay, well, have has this kind of run its course for me? And am I in a position that I can turn this over to somebody and he's, you know, going to be able to move on and, and still be successful. And I think uh, those, that's kind of the de- decision that you were g- dealing with. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, it, it wasn't even a, I, I didn't even pause for, for a moment's time to think, okay, well, what do I need to do to get Anna ready? Or, I mean, that, that's a, that's comical. She, she knew everything. She was ready to go. I mean, my, my stepping on a landmine comment is a joke, of course, but I mean, really had I, had I disappeared in the thin air, um, I, I'd hope they would take a few minutes to mourn me, but after that, they'd get back to business. I mean, that's, <laughs> right. that's the beauty of the chain of command thing, right? It's, right. it's like, when, it's like when we've been groomsmen at weddings before, you know, the old joke about if something happens to the groom, we all wear tuxes cause they just scoot the next person up. <laughs> so, right. you know, Anna was the next uh, groomsman in a tux right. uh, she, and, and she, she did a great job at it. So you decided to go the contract route instead of trying to find like a corporate job or, or uh, something else like that. Yeah. I, you know, I, I had a couple of uh, corporate opportunities that were very graciously offered to me um, and, and things that would have been, don't get me wrong, would have been outstanding opportunities. And I was grateful for them. Uh, but I, I call it um, my curiosity. Uh, you know, I have a very curious nature, or maybe call it my ADD. I, I knew working on one issue uh, was probably not the right path for me. I needed to have my, my hand in a bunch of different buckets. Um, and I, I, had talked to Robert Peeler and I had, had uh, worked together for at least two or three years at that point. Cause one of his clients at the time had a, a significant footprint in uh, my old boss's district. And so we, we got to work on several projects together and had gotten to know each other really well. Um, and I, I thought very highly of him and I, I, I 
think the feeling was mutual. And uh, I just remember asking him one day, and it was kind of kind of mid twenty eighteen. And I just said, "Hey, tell me what it was like. I respect you, and and like the way that you did things. Tell me what it was like when you were in my shoes and you decided to make the jump." And we had a couple conversations about it, and he very graciously said, "If you do decide to do that, I know that um, you know we'd like to talk to you about coming to Longbow Partners um, and, and see what that conversation looks like." And uh, and that. Uh, spurred a, a series of conversations with him and, and um, uh, Tris Castaneda and uh, uh, David Parker. And um, really, it, it was it was a several month process. It was really slow uh, in a good way. And I liked that a lot. And uh, then, then made the jump in, uh, in, I think it was either July or August of uh, 2018. And I have, have been here ever since. I sat by Robert um, for at least two sessions when he worked for Senator Jackson. We both staffed uh, respective members on um, – he worked for Senator Jackson. I worked for Senator Frazier on uh, natural resources. And so I've known Robert for a long time, known Tris uh, even longer, and, uh, and uh, highly respect those guys over there in that shop. You made a, you made a great decision. No, I, I, I agree. I, I agree. I, um, if I were to pick – um, a lineup of three people I would want to have as business partners. Um, you know, those, those would be the guys. Um, yeah. and I, I know that probably sounds like a, a line from an ad for the, for the firm, uh, uh, uh <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I think there's a hyphen in there actually. Uh, but, but really it's, uh, it, it's, it's great. I I'm so fortunate to, to get to work with those guys. Uh, it, it's, it's to, to have three partners who are from very, diverse places in the background. Uh, we're, we're all spread out in age. We, we've got almost 23 years between us. Um, uh, so we're all spread out in age. We were all born in different, uh, you know, metro areas in the state. Uh, we've all worked in different capacities. Tris has been at a law firm. Robert, you know, started early and was a staffer. Uh, David's been in the corporate route. And we all have different skill sets and styles. And so there's, there is definitively a, um, uh, a harmony that goes on over here. Sometimes we're out of tune, but, but pretty rarely. Um, <laughs> that's normal. It just happens. It is. It is. And, and so we're very fortunate. And, um, you know, we, we, I think the two things that I was looking for, honestly, when I was trying to make the move and that stuck out to me the most were, uh, a group of people that operated, um, aggressively, right. Um, I wanted somebody to, to work with some people that were going to work their asses off uh, and I also wanted to work with some people who were going to operate ethically. Um, I think the going all the way back to Dewhurst, and, and there was a lot of this with Birdwell too, but you know, going all the way back to Dewhurst, one of the things that um, he taught me very early on was uh, you know straightforwardness and truthfulness, and uh, operating transparently, at least in the role that I was in for him, were were critical uh, tools. Uh, that I needed to use in that job. And, and so I knew when I came out uh, that I wanted to work with people who were in that same vein. Cause I mean, you know how this goes, Daniel, you, you can only lie to a member or a staffer one time. Yeah. You can only cheat the system one time. You can only screw up badly one time. And then you are, you know, persona non grata, you're, you're toxic. Yep. And so I wanted to work with a group of people who I knew leading up to my arrival didn't have those, those blemishes. And once I got here, uh, wouldn't take them on. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I've been really happy about it. Well, I agree. And it's, it's, you know, can be cliched, but you're right. You can, you know, you have to be a hard worker in this business, but I think beyond that, you have to be honest. You have to be an honest broker. And, uh, if you lose, uh, if, if people start viewing you, I think not in that light, then that's a, that can be a problem. Yeah. 
Okay, so let's talk a little bit about, um, I know you dabble in some philanthropic areas. Man, that was a mouthful. Um, <laughs> I know you do some work with the Leukemia and the Lymphoma, Lymphoma Society um, and then some other areas. So talk a little bit about that because I know it means a lot to you. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you asking. Um, I, my my folks uh, growing up always, I, I just remember my parents doing something, some uh, philanthropic activity. There was always something going on in the background, and I, you know, they still do it to this day. Uh, my mom does a a, a lot of work um, in uh, in her community, and, and my dad does too. Works closely with the Texas Rangers, and they just do some cool stuff. So that was always something that was big in our household. I, I've gotten to do some really fun stuff. I, you know, I'm. Uh, the Austin Sunshine Camps. Uh, I, I worked with them for about ten years and was lucky to be president of the organization in 2016. And have done some more serious stuff, I guess. I, I did the Ethics Review Commission in Austin. I, I chaired that for four years, um, doing uh, doing the, the it's it's the local body that oversees um, uh, campaign and finance issues uh, for City of Austin candidates and, and elected officials. And then the two things I, I guess I'm staying the busiest with now are. Uh, I, I do ACYPL, American Council of Young Political Leaders, which is a really neat uh, program where they work with the State Department to send delegates abroad. So I, I got to go to Morocco and Tunisia in 2016, which was neat. Uh, I was a delegate. And then in 2019, I got to lead a delegation uh, of elected officials um, to Cambodia and Malaysia and got back about a month before the pandemic started from Asia. So that was uh, a whole other interesting story. So that, and then uh, I serve on the board of trustees. That's really new, but serve on the board of trustees for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, uh, working for blood cancer research, which is that, that organization is so much bigger than me or anybody involved. They do really outstanding work. Everybody knows who they are. So really, really fortunate to be involved with them. A lot of folks in the capital are involved with, uh, I feel like with the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. Absolutely. Uh, two capital folks got me involved. Shocker. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't know you had been, I knew you had been to Morocco, but I didn't know about the Malaysia, uh, Cambodia and Malaysia. We went to, Cam, we went to Cambodia, like as the pandemic was hitting here. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. I'm glad, I'm glad you made it back. Well, we just, you know, you would see the case counts there and there was fewer cases there between Cambodia and Thailand than here in the United States. And I thought, oh, this is a much safer country to go to. And so off we went. Well, I, I spent about eight days uh, tramping through Cambodia talking to uh, the elected officials of all stripes, including uh, the top of the food chain. And let me just say, they, they may not have been reporting the, the case counts as, <laughs> as accurately as perhaps some other nations. That's so, probably accurate. Yeah. Glad you made it back. Um, okay. Let's head over to the Capitol Grill. What do you think? Let's go. Capital Cafeteria. What can I get started for you? Okay, this is an easy one to start with. Then they'll become progressively harder. <laughs> Who do you admire the most? Who do I admire the most? Um, okay, tie uh, tie between my sister for a whole host of reasons, and she knows why. Uh, my sister's just amazing, uh, and my mom. Uh, I mentioned that earlier. My mom was born in Greece. Uh, it, it's the ultra short version of the story, but she was actually. Uh, trafficked from Greece at the age of six into the United States and um, uh, air quotes adopted, but she was illegally uh, adopted through a private uh, sale uh, to a family uh, here in the United States. And that's how she ended up over here. She's, she's turned out pretty great uh, for, for anybody, but much less for somebody who got drug over here against their will at the age of six and speaking a foreign language. Yeah. That's a hard start for anybody. pretty, Pretty cool story. Yeah. That's very cool. How do you start your day? 
So I'm not super tech savvy, but after several months of, of hard work, I figured out how to make my Alexa. Uh, she turns on the, the lights. So I, I say, Alexa, start my day. And the lights turn on. I got to get the coffee maker working, but I, I'm not there yet. And, and then she, she says, you know, here's your weather and the calendar and the news and stock tips and all that stuff. Uh, so it's, it's kind of nice. I'm still like laying in bed in my underwear. So it, it sounds more productive than it is, but it's a great start to the day. I don't want to call out anyone uh, that you uh, are partners with, but man, some of those guys are not tech savvy. No, they're not. But those are the same guys. He probably doesn't even have an alarm clock. He's here. He wakes up by the sun. The sun. I think he's got a rooster in the back of his yard. He just senses it coming up. He knows. Yeah, he does. Um, okay. What's your superpower? If, if you have one. Uh, superpower. Uh, sense of direction. Oh. I, I, I don't have a lot of uh, Boy Scout-esque skills. I couldn't start a fire uh, unless I had, you know, newspaper and matches. But um, you, you could drop me just about anywhere and I can find my way out. I'm, I'm directionally savvy. Oh, that's impressive. Um, okay, here's some uh, like multiple choice, two choices. Ooh. Snoozing or getting up? Snoozing. Okay, I know you dabble in the culinary arts as well. <laughs> do you eat for taste or do you eat for health? Taste. What's your favorite smoothie at Soup Peddler? The business time because okay. it's got some coffee in it. I like that one too. Yeah. Okay, last one is, uh, again, we discussed your golfing prowess. Uh, what is your favorite golf course? Ooh, like ever? <laughs> yeah, that you've played. How much, how much time do we have? You can, give, you, you can give a couple. No, that's, that's fair. Uh, fa- favorite golf course ever probably corresponds with my favorite golf trip ever. Uh, Kiowa Island, the ocean course, uh, just outside of Charleston, South Carolina, and where they had the, uh, the PGA championship this past year, where Phil won first winner of a major over 50 yeah. uh, in like forever, a long time. So a great trip. Well, that's fun. I've never been, uh, I never played golf on the East coast, but, uh, yeah, that would be on the list for sure. It's, uh, it's good. It's, it's windy and there's a whole lot of flies and gnats and you got to pay for a caddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, Ben, this is a lot of fun. I really appreciate great. you coming on. Uh, means a lot. Uh, appreciate you sharing uh, your story. And uh, I'm flattered you would ask, man. I told you that from the beginning. You don't need to thank me. This is very kind of you to ask. See, such a great guy. I mean, Ben, you know, a very nice human. Uh, you can tell he's very genuine when he's talking about, you know, the Birdwell team and, you know, leadership and I really enjoyed our time together. Thanks again to you, our listeners. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram, and we will talk to you again soon. Well, see, I already hit record, so now I can use, I can use that. You should use it. Uh, clip that, Mar- Marjorie, and in, in, uh, effects. Clip that. <laughs>